Today's staff is Tet. We pick up with the Mishan Charem Adver. I understand we read it yesterday. We'll just start again quickly today. We move from the um, describing the ritual of the Sota to talking about, you know, this uh, sort of sense of divine justice um, and that all the things that were done to the Sota are uh, paralleling uh, the types of acts that she did or she might have done in her in her seduction and in her act and in her adultery. Of course, what is willing to point out, and then that then leads to general model of the whole idea of mida keneged mida, measure for measure. See, Shakespeare stole it from the Gemara. Um, so, and the um, and the point being that a person is judged in this world. Um, God brings about events in this world that uh, basically, um, you know, are uh, appropriate payback for the deeds that a person has done. So it's worth pointing out a few things just about this and this framing and then there's a lot of agatha that we have to look at. But the one or two things to point out is number one is that once again we're like assuming that she's guilty and we're reading this whole ritual not as a way of getting her to confess or not as whatever but it's specifically like we are degrading her in public and as payback for what she did it's a public shaming and it's a presumption of guilt because all of this happens until the actual water all of that happens without knowledge of whether she's guilty or not right so it's one thing to say Mita Kinegad Mita about the water it's another thing to say about all of the ritual uh, leading up to the water there's again this somehow presumption of guilt. I should, by the way, mention in that regard that the whole idea about ripping the garments, Tosvos points out that you would do a similar thing before giving lashes to a person as you would rend their garments. Now again, it could be connected to the idea of, well, you've got to give lashes directly to the body, you don't want to do it through the clothes, but Tosvos actually points out that this is seen as a form of the punishment that Bastin is imposing. Yeah, um, the guy who got lashes, we, know we know is guilty. So again, that's exactly the point. Seeing this, uh, seeing this uh, ritual, again, starting with this whole presumption of guilt. How are we looking at this as a punishment as opposed to a way of identifying whether or not she's guilty? The other interesting thing to note about this whole midah keneged midah is, you know, um, to some degree, right, it is like the whole question about this trial by uh, ordeal, the, uh, like this divine thing, a uh, miracle here that's supposed to take place to prove whether or not she's innocent or guilty. So to one degree, we sort of contained it by a number of things, you know, by trying to get her to admit as soon as possible, um, you know, trying to get her to confess. Uh, we, uh, we sort of just naturally treated it as evidence. So if it proves it, then it would override what, if witnesses said otherwise, remember that discussion. So in a way, almost like downplaying it, not focusing on it, and so on. Also ways of explaining if it doesn't work. Maybe because he had merit, maybe because she had merit, maybe because he sinned. So there's a little one way of dealing with this was like downplaying, you know, that. The other way is, he- is heightening it. You know, it's sort of, it's mida keneged mida, and yeah, like God is going to hear, you know, punish her, not just in terms of the mida keneged mida that the Cohen is doing, but in terms of, you know, the effect um, of the water. Sort of in heightening that sense about this is exactly, you know, doing it. By the way, again, the way that you, the more that you can, um, well, whatever, I'll just do that. Okay, so, um, so that's like another interesting thing about what we do by sort of focusing, um, you know, on, um, on the midah kinegi midah. And then I guess the final thing to say is, half of this midah kinegi midah is done through human agents. 
right? The other half is done through a miracle, right? But then when we sort of broaden it to the midah that God does, it's all sort of directly through God, not through human beings sort of consciously imposing punishment on people, midah It's sort of all which God brings down, which sort of also sort of makes the Kohen and makes this whole ritual and makes everybody sort of just like a, an agent of God, you know, sort of a vehicle through which God is working, you know, which also is very important because how do you do this thing to this woman and maybe she is innocent or whatever. So it's, all, it's interesting how it sort of changes the sense of how things are playing out by heightening the, um, God's, the sort of God's acting here in the Midah connected Midah element. So let's, with that in mind, let's take a look. So the Gemara says the following. Um, the Mishnah will start. Midah Shadamodeid. The same measure a person measures out in this world, they measure out for him up in heaven. She beautified herself for sin. God disfigured her. Of course, again, as I was saying a minute ago, God and the working through the Kohen, right? So that's how God disfigured her. He um, so she revealed herself. God is revealing her, but again, the Kohen, presumably through rending the garments. Um, she began with the sigh and then the stomach, meaning, you know, sometimes, so, sometimes, by the way, betin is used, you know, or rechem is used as a euphemism for vagina or whatever, but anyway, maybe it also just means externally, as we'll see, the man supporting his weight on her, we'll get to that in the Gemara. So therefore it starts first with the sigh because it says, Okay, and we'll talk about the order in the Gemara. Now we're finally getting to not the act of the Kohen, whether or not she's guilty, but the act of the water when she is guilty. And it's all getting wrapped together in the same package. Okay? And don't worry, the, the, the rest of the body isn't going to escape punishment either. We're going to like the end, right? I know, so that, it is interesting, but on the other hand, it's nice. Mm-hmm. Often we complain in the Sechdos that we start, we get all these digressions and technical points. Here you have a whole little package. Here's the way it works from the beginning. Here's what happens. And here's sort of the theological explanation of what's happening. But again, notice how this packaging is very much the assumption of guilt. Okay, the Gemara says the following. Amar of Yosef. Aval gav even though people we no longer have this is clearly what he means by context we no longer have actual court imposed punishments now that there's no longer a based in of you know 23 and we, you know, we don't longer deem deem any fashot people are still getting paid back measure for measure for what they do you know by God that, the heaven, God is still making sure that that, that, that the proper punishment is meted out because Rabbi Yosef says from the time of the Bishop was destroyed even though we no longer had a Sanhedrin we, we, the, the, the four modes of execution did not cease so Mar says what do you mean? they did cease fine the court imposed uh, execution ceased but the judgment the, the justice that God meets out that never stopped okay. um, no, why the din? Yeah. No, I don't think it means. I don't. I don't think it means sentencing. I think it means Rashi says din shemayim dugmato, the divine justice that's meted out. Okay, mishni chayevski la. If somebody was uh, had to be stoned, so what's going to happen to him? Oh no, fell minagai. He'll either fall off of the roof. Oh chayad or an animal will uh, trample him. Now, how is that similar to uh Because after they stoned him, they pushed him right. They you know right. I mean not after before. 
before. They pushed him first off a cliff and then they put the stone on him. And Rashi says, when an tr- animal like, like attacks you, he attacks somebody, he knocks him to the ground. Um, uh, where were we? Um, somebody who is deserving of being burnt, which they would pour molten lead down the throat. But actually, it's easier to get a normal type of a sreifa. Either he's consumed in a fire. Or bitten by a snake, so the poison is like a fire, burns. Which is execution by sword. Either he gets, uh, he gets punished by the, uh, by, by, by the government, which uh, the, the secular, the Roman authorities, that would execute by the sword. Um, or bandits attack him by the sword. Somebody who is deserving of getting uh, executed by being strangled. Either he drowns in a, in, a, in a river, so he you know drowns by uh, uh, by um, asphyxiation. Oh, made the saruchni, or he dies in a certain type of a choking death, also a respiratory death. Actually, is in terms of the Romans. Uh in terms of crucifixion, yeah. I actually killed the person with asphyxiation. Oh, really? Yes. That's interesting. Okay. Example. Interesting. Yeah. Tanya, Hi, Rebbe Omer. Rebbe used to say, How do you know in the same measure that a person measures in this world, they measure, you know, he's, that measure is meted out for him, you know, uh, up and, you know, through heaven. Um, he gets appropriate payback. Um, so, so a source for this? Yeah. Well, let's take a look. Okay. Shin Emar, as it says, um, uh, in its measure, in its in its sending in exile, you know, it will be uh, it will be smitten or I'll be like a, 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 attack uh, attack against it. So that is in its measure. They're going to be punished in its measure. Now it's also a little play that a sa'ah is a very specific type of measure. It's a large measure. So maybe if somebody does a big sin, that's worthy of God getting involved, of being a divinely ordained punishment, of it being mida keneged mida. But how do you know even these tiny little measures? How do you know even if it's a gram? Right? It's not a gallon. It's a, how do you know how you know how do you know about an ounce, a quart, a gram? I'm switching measuring systems. Anyway, so how do you know a, a teaspoon? How do you know even a teaspoon is measured out against somebody? Minayan, Talmud Lomar, own so own Birash. Now, I don't know, I looked at the English of this, it was something like, every shoe is somehow, I don't know, whatever the English is. But here... Every measure is right. with noise. Right, so it's, me- so it's translating, I'm just saying the shot of Sa'on, at least whatever, the translations I looked at last night, is not measure, but it's reading Sa'on is Sa'ah. So every measure, every measure a person does is measured out against them. Okay. Now, how do you know that every tiny little thing adds up to a big thing? Which maybe means that sometimes, you know, on the one hand, you will be punished for every little thing, and maybe actually you'll get a little punishment for a little thing, but maybe sometimes you won't get a little punishment for a little thing, you know, but it'll all... Well, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll wait, exactly. We'll wait to sort of co- collect all of the little things, and then you'll get punished for, you'll get punished for the totality. So how do you know that that, that happens. One to one to finally get a significant number. And we similarly found by Asot you know, that's, like, that's what's Kohelet like thinking about this like oh yeah like, you know, I added it all together this is what I came up with right it's, like, man, it's a free it. use yeah. of Sukim to make the argument okay I mean the question here is not that's not Pshat in the Pasuk okay we, let's take it for granted in the way that she was measured it was measured out against her um, by the way it is interested you know just the language of the plural here Madidula 
Midasha the Modid Modidin, right? So it's like the heavenly court, you know. They, right? No, because it's clear it's all. Well, that's the interesting thing I'm saying here. Here you actually have people doing half of God's work. But normally, right, when it's, you know, when it's sort of saying like a guy falls off a roof or falls in a fire, whatever, so it's interesting sort of the use of the plural, you know. Nashadam, like, you know, whatever. Okay, the heavenly court. Anyway, thank you. She stood by the doorway of her house to be visible to this man, to seduce him or whatever, or to just be waiting for him when he showed up. So here we have the Kohen, obviously, being the agent of God. Makes a public spectacle of her, demonstrates her embarrassment, her shaming to everyone. Again, the presumption of guilt. He presumably put silks and beautiful things on her head. And therefore, she, her cap is removed from her head and her hair is disheveled. She made up her face. Therefore, now we're getting not to the Kohen, but what happens when she drinks the water, her, 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 her face will like literally become jaundiced. Like, you know, um, so he she presumably made up put makeup on her eyes. Her eyes will like bug out. A bur- bur- you know uh, what? It's bu- what? Bug out is a technical. Bulge out. Thank you. Okay, like bugging out or something else. Bulge out. Thank you. He killed Alo at the Ara. She, uh, you know, sort of uh, uh, braided her hair, made her hair nice. It's not just removing the, uh, the the hair covering, but it's disheveling the hair. If the hair is braided, unbraiding it, and so on. He She like, you know, uh, like uh, summoned her, right? Like, uh, what's the word? Uh, beckoned him with her finger. Her fingernails will drop out. We, that's the first we're hearing of that. Okay, I guess that's what the mission means of Sharko Haguflo Palas. He she wore a nice, uh, a nice, uh, like a, a belt. Therefore, the Kohen brings this, uh, you know, this uh, Egyptian rope, whatever that is, and and binds it above her breast to hold her garment up. But it's really like an ugly type of a, of, of a cord. He um, She uh, opened up her thighs for him. Therefore, her thighs fall, collapse. So this is the 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 yerech and the beten. She received him on her stomach. So again, that just might mean physically, like you know, he's on top of her supporting his weight or something might also refer to the actual act of penetration depending right depending on whether it's describing what it's referring to when it says stomach here beat not so bad. therefore right her, her, her stomach blows up and that is it's going on the inside and it's blowing up from the inside so probably is more talking about the penetration um uh she fed him all of the uh, delicacies of the maybe, world. Maybe the other way around. Like maybe he enticed her. Right. So that, thank you very much for pointing that out too, which, we, uh, which is exactly that. It's something we pointed out before, but it really needs to be reiterated here, right? That it's besides the fact that she is the only, like, she's the only one being suspect, and what about the adulterer, the male man adulterer, and probably part of that issue is, like, again, in a patriarchal society, wife suspects his husband, her husband of committing adultery, right? you know what type of uh, 
power does she have, you know, in order to, you know, to, to do anything with that accusation? Um, and anyway, besides which, let's also remember that the act of adultery, if, 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 if a man commits adultery against his wife, halachically it's only adultery if he sleeps with a married woman. It's not a betrayal of his wife because, in, in halacha, you know, because we're from, you know, from this perspective. I mean, obviously, whatever, we've had a few thousand years of development. But, okay, from that perspective, right, in a polygamous society, sleeping with another woman is in betrayal of wife. So sleeping with a married woman is, a, is, a, is, is doing something to that married man. You know, that's sort of like the problem there, right? Which is, explains the whole dynamics about ultimately the married man is the injured party, right? So that's why he's the one taking his wife. There's nobody to really take the man. I mean, I guess the, mar- the guy whose wife was, but again, he doesn't have power over her. So, so that's just explaining why that dynamics. But Michael is 100% correct. No matter how you sort of conceive of who is the injured party, it doesn't mean who is the initiator, who is the seducer, who is the one that was at fault. So you're absolutely correct that that, again, needs to be underscored that she is sort of, all of the blame is being dumped on her because the whole ritual is being done with her and not with the man. Yes? I'm sorry, one more time, which language? This language, like, of, the, oh, well, she dressed up. She right. Thought, you know, like, uh, there's, that's an issue with it. And you know, right. Like, been raped or assaulted or whatever. They were asking for it. You know, and she, well, why'd she look so sexy if she didn't want to leave? Right. Her, you know? Right, yeah, that's also an excellent point. That whole point about, like, right, because, you know, again, it's like, well, in a certain way, what do you expect from the man? If he was doing this, a man is not, can't do anything against a woman's seductions, and she's looking this way, and it even removes agency from the man that might be, that might be involved. Right, exactly. It's also very kind of simplistic. I mean, the Gemara imagines, you know, this whole, uh, this, this uh, almost romantic uh, right. encounter, uh-huh. uh, which... Not necessarily. The <laughs> right, right. Well, I don't know. Is it romantic? It's uh, seduction, but yeah. yeah. Okay. But um, yeah, right. Could be a lot of other reasons. <laughs> right. <laughs> a lot of other reasons, exactly. Okay. Um, look, you know, all you've got to do is read a little bit of Nishle, and, you know, it tells so many things at the beginning are about the seductive woman, you know, and it's used there as a metaphor, but it's only a metaphor because it's a powerful image, right? You know, so, anyway, so, okay. But yeah, it's, that definitely needs to be pointed out and reiterated. Um, interesting here, by the way, also, it's doubling back, right? It talks about the water impacting her. Right, and then it sort of goes to the uh, to the uh, korban, right? So it's sort of like and the korban actually comes before the water. The water comes at the end of the whole process. Okay, so anyway, um, she made him drink all of these uh, delicacies, or made him eat, or she fed him. Her korban is the uh, is uh, you know made out of uh, uh, sorim, out of barley, like animal food. He so because she made him drink uh, or not, not great drink. She gave him to drink. Thank you. Um, uh, you know uh, why, you know be, uh, be, uh, what, uh, high quality wine in beautiful uh, uh, goblets. Therefore, the kohen makes her drink bitter water in this like pottery uh, you know cup. Um, he established there. She did her deeds in private, in, in hiding, so nobody else should know, except when we were standing on the door and beckoning him. But okay. <laughs> the one who dwells on high in seclusion, up high, he will, he will, you know, pay attention to her. Rashi says sampanim is like to punish her, but also sampanim is like, you know, panim means like give a face to her, make it public, make it public. Shneemar, 
um, the eye of the adulterer like keeps in the darkness nobody will see me so she thinks she's going to get away with it and it's all going to be done in private God is going to publicize the sin so actually maybe a little bit I was already reading the next line because the next line is emphasizing the publicized um, God publicized it in, in public the one who hires up the uh, uh, I know what uh, the hatred but uh, Rashi says it's a hated deed in the darkness um, the evil will be revealed in, in the community so that's why we're doing this public spectacle um, and again making it all about a, an assumption of guilt and a punishment so that's why Rashi said the previous one of Samba Panim just means focus his attention on her um, and here we're emphasizing the public nature ok so that's all of the Midah Kineged Midah once we learn now the Gemara takes over from the Brita. Once we learn out from one for one that you know that we, we add up every little we add up the little things get added up for a big punishment. So Why do you what does it tell me for every, every measure? If we're already telling you every little thing gets kept. No, the It's not just telling you that every little thing gets kept, that you get a chat la chat so every little pun every little misdeed you're gonna be punished for. It's telling you that the punishment is measure for measure, and even sometimes a little punishment for a little thing, but everything will be measure for measure. Once we learn that from every measure, even a small measure, why does it have to say, in the fill of its measure, you know, when it's being driven out, I will uh, punish it. So that's a, that we said was a sa'ah, big measure. So what's the point of that? You're right, that's to tell you something else. Not another thing. God will only punish a nation, you know, at the time when it is being driven out or sent into exile. Now, Rashi says here, and it seems from the Gemara, it doesn't only mean sent into exile, but being destroyed. So, like, all the punishment is held up, is held back until the ultimate moment of destruction. So, the, the measurement will be measured out. So, maybe for an individual, you know, at different times in a person's life, you will have the but at a national level, you know, a nation could be, I mean, it's also Look, part of the problem with all of this is the opening sugyan brachos. You know, how do you deal with, you know, Tzadik Viralo with Rasha Vatovlo? You know, you have a very nice idea about Tzchar Onish, right? Every Mida Keneged Mida, uh, it doesn't always seem to work out that way, right? So, the Gemara is not raising that question here. It's just asserting the Mida Keneged Mida. We'll worry about if it doesn't work out all that, that way, you know, at some other time. Um, but here, what it is also dealing with is, you know, particularly an issue like what it might look like. You know, here is Rome, this oppressive nation, right? You know, here are all these other nations that not only are not Jewish but have done a lot of evil to the Jews and all they are is successful right where is the divine justice in that you know how come they you know they continue to uh, to flourish so no no they're, all their punishment is being held back to the final Yom Hadin to the day when ultimately God is going to bring all their punishment upon them so that's the emphasis here by an Ummah okay so let's just hear a little bit more what? it does send prophets all the time to try and prevent that yeah, but the actual punishment that they deserve, right, a nation could be successful, like Rome, for how many hundreds of years, right? So, so okay, let's just read a little bit more about this. It says, uh, okay, Amy, when it says by Yosef, by the dream, the three cups, you know, were, you know, that was being the Sahamashkim, the wine steward, you know, because Paro Yadi, because Paro, it says, because Paro three times, why? So this is a metaphor of like to have him drink from the dregs, you know, drink 
drinking from the, the, the wine, the, the poison of the punishment, you know, the poisonous wine, so that's, uh, that they're going to get their punishment. So why does it say that three times? Um, one measure of their punishment they got at the time of Moshe, you know, and the plagues, etc. At the time of Paronicho, which was by Nebuchadnezzar, he went ahead and when he was, you know, doing all of his other world conquering, he conquered Egypt. Um, and the one that they'll get with all the other nations in the, you know, in the uh, times of Mashiach. So here you see a nation is being punished in uh, spread out, not all at once. Okay? So the Gemara says, Wait, maybe the people now living in Egypt are not the Egyptians of the time of uh, Moshe. You know, it's actually interesting, right, that some people, you know, don't refuse to to translate, you know, in an English translation by Mitzrayim, like Egypt or Egyptians, you know, because, you know, because uh, you identify it with the people that are there right now, and it's not the same nation. So, so, right, so maybe you'll say, no, the Mitzrayim of Moshe, they were wiped out, they got their full punishment or whatever. There, you know, this is so, so then it's, it's funny though, but then even if it is a chrini, the idea, oh, they'll get three kosot spread out over time. If it's a chrini, then it's not three kosot spread out of time. It's three different nations getting three different punishments. But anyway, that's what the Gemara says. Anyway, you can't say that. I had a colleague from the students of Rebbe Akiva who was a convert, a, a convert, a, a Mitzri convert. His name was Manimin. And Amr Manimin, and this Manimin said to me, I'm a first-generation convert, Mitzri convert. Then Asati Mitzrit, and I married I married a first-generation Mitzri convert. I will have my son marry a second-generation Mitzri convert. Okay, so who both of her parents, the, par- the, the Kyle's parents and the Chassan's parents are all first-generation converts, um, and so the ki- kids are second-generation converts, and they'll marry one another. Kedeshi Ben Mini, so my so my grandkids will be mutalavopika, will be permissible to ma- permissible to marry um, naturally born Jews. Because the halacha is basically that if their the parents are of different levels of of uh, one is kosher, one is you know one is some type of a psul, a mamzer mitzri, whatever, or a first generation mitzri, second generation, you always follow the parent that has the greater um, uh, dis- uh, what's the word um, uh, dis- the disqualification is not the word, but anyway, yeah, yeah, yeah that, that has that has the great um, anyway whatever the greater disqualification. So therefore, you only have a second generation mitzri if both parents are first generation, and you only have a third generation if both parents are second. Okay, so that's why it says, and then that's how we'll arrange it. So the third generation will be able to marry a natural born Jew. So the point is, here we are in the time of the Tanayim, and we're assuming we're still dealing with Mitzrim from the time of the Torah. So you see, it is the same nation. Okay? So the Gemara says, um, Fine. It's not true. Nations, it's not that all the punishment gets stored up for the end. Here's how the statement was said. A king will only be punished when he is ultimately, presumably, like dethroned. 
talking not about the nation, but about the punishment coming on the king. Um, a taught the teaching of Rebchina Bar Papa about the nation, not the king, but he taught it on the following verse. My deceive, what's meant by the verse? I, God, have not changed, and you, the children of Jacob, have not been destroyed. I never smote a nation twice. If I'm going to smite a nation, I'm going to wipe them out. Okay? So that's in general. But but when it comes to you, B'nai Yisrael, you were smitten and you were not destroyed. You have not, you have not yet been, you have, you, um, you have not ceased. And that's like the passage that says, my arrows, I will, I will, I will empty out against them. My arrows will be emptied out. But they will still survive. So even after we have suffered all of this from, you know, the nations and even here from God, nevertheless, we still survive. Other nations, if God is going to attack them, they'll be wiped out. So the Gemara there doesn't then ask the question it just asked before, which is, but it didn't happen because by the mystery it was over time. All right, anyway, but here it's another Pusuk that's focusing in a different way and it is making the same assertion that we had rejected a minute ago that it is that it is a full punishment all at once um, for other nations. By the way, a long Tosus here and even Rashi discusses the idea that uh, uh, in the Tosefta, which is this quoting from where Yehuda quotes uh, says that I'm a second generation etc Rabbi Akiva says to him Manimin Ta'ita you're making a mistake you're not the original Mitzrim in the Torah you know the people living in Mitzrayim now are not the people that were the Mitzrim of the time of the Torah so it's interesting that here the Gemara sort of accepts the testimony and elsewhere we actually do reject it and do say that it's not the same that's being referred to in the Torah yes Rabbi Akiva had a question first a while ago yes um so with all this, uh, you know, measure for measure thing, have we discussed yet whether the Sota, like, what is her fate? Does, does she die from the... No, that's coming up. We're pre- sort of presuming it, although we haven't said it yet, but that's coming up. We have not said it. That's a later mission. Now, now this though. We're going in order. What, yes. <laughs> what's the difference between and Oh, because here we're not changing the text. We're saying, um, um, oh, yeah, you're right. We are changing the text. That's why. Uh, <laughs> uh, um, I, yeah, I think, I think is by Tanaitic source. This is a, this is an Amoraic source. Yeah. I'm going to be cleaning about Papa? Yeah. Even though it's great Hebrew. Yeah, well, the, um, the, uh, members of the Amorayim are in Hebrew. It's only the Psalm of the Gemara that's in Aramaic. Gotcha. Yeah. <laughs> I can't believe you haven't maintained this the argument. Sotas punished Mida Keneged Mida. We, we, we looked at the psukim that are the basis of Mida Keneged Mida in general. And one of those psukim was the Sa'asa'a We said that that pasuk seems a little redundant because we learned out the principle of Mida Keneged Mida from other psukim. So we're saying, oh fine, that teaches you a different principle. That God, when God will, uh, God only, you know, punishes uh, a king or a nation, he brings it all at the end. That doesn't relate back. That's a solve, tying up loose ends. Okay. Today about the Egyptians and the three generations. Yeah, they're not the same. Yeah, they're, they're not the same. Yeah, right. Yep. Okay, so the message is like this. Um, okay. Now we get back, though, to the main theme of Mira Kenegad Nida. Um, now, now, though, we are taking this idea of Mira, uh, what we said by a nation, applying it to a person. Because, again, every time the Gemara makes these bold assertions about everybody gets proper judgment in this world, scar and onish, 
there has to be a little bit of a recognition that things don't work out that simply. So here, the Gemara is actually saying, you know what? Even for people, really, not just for nations, you know, they don't get punished until they're full, until their measure is full. And the metaphor of measure works here, right? So it's ironic. Before we said even a little measure, like even a symbol, you're going to get paid back. But now we're shifting. No, no, no. There's a big measure. Everything is going into that, you know, to that big, that big box. And until that box is full, it's not yet time for punishment. So that explains how people can be successful who deserve, who sin and are reshoying and so on. Their measure isn't full. Okay, so now we're assuming only a big measure, essentially. Different than what we were assuming before. Chuva <laughs> always mitigates. But like, we're, again, the implicit thing here is to deal with, you know, implicitly, the Marathon said explicitly, things don't work out this, this neatly. Right? People punish measure for measure. So one way... Don't worry, eventually he'll get his come up. It'll, you know, so yeah. Amazon shipping algorithms as a metaphor for sin and punishment. Okay, except you don't want to be a prime, you don't want to be an Amazon prime because then you get everything right away. All right, anyway, maybe that's better, you don't get a big punishment at the end. Yeah, exactly. All right. All right, you got a whole Russia right there, yes. Does the, the way it's presented with the, the possibility that they're, they're prefacing the whole country by saying that she had, is a woman with a track record? Um, no, where do you see that? The whole idea of accumulating issues and there's not, there's not really a oh. brought forth until there's... You reach a certain I don't think. I mean, you can see if you see an echo of that. I don't see it circling back to Sot in that regard. Um, you know, maybe it is a way of dealing with why are we presuming guilt. So maybe there, maybe you're right. Isn't taken frivolously. It's a woman that really has a, a track record. Well, her whole track record is Bikini Vestira, but there's a certain critical mass. That maybe that's interesting. I hadn't thought about that. My sense is it's more dealing with like you know like Sadik Viralo, right? But maybe exactly. Okay, so let's take a look. Okay. Um, um, until his measure is filled. And again, now it's a sa'ah, it's a big measure, right? It's not a midah. Until the big measure is full. Shenemar, bimlot sifko yitzerlo. By when his, only when his, like, uh, his, uh, like his, his, his desires are satisfied, um, then will it be, uh, be anguished for him, troubled for him. Then will he be punished. What's meant by the verse? Right? Rejoice, Tadikim in God. So this is the only reason we're quoting this now, Jenna, just so you know. Complete digression, but it's the same person, the Bikinin of our Papa. So there's not even going to be necessarily a somatic connection here. Okay? What is meant by that verse? So to the righteous is, is uh, attractive praise. Altikri Navet, attractive, Etchilah Ela Navetila, the domicile. Zem Moshe David. This is Moshe and David that their Naveh, the, the domicile that they created for God, the dwelling place, was never, uh, the, the enemies never benefited from it. David so according to the book from Eicha, right, which is a bad thing, but it says that the, the gates sort of sank into the ground, but the point was, no, 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 the gates of the Beit HaMikdash were out of gold or out of, you know, precious work, and before, the enemies couldn't capture it. They, they, they sank into the ground. Moshe Damar Mar Mikdash when the first place of Mikdash was built Nignaz Oamoed Krashav Krashavu Bichav Amadav what happened to all of the hooks and the beams and the uh, and the uh, you know and the and the, uh, the the cloths or whatever that was all buried secreted away um, so ultimately presumably the meaning being it wouldn't be captured when the base of Mikdash was destroyed I don't know if that was the intent but that's the point and therefore it was never captured. Um, 
So the Gemara says, okay, so where are they hidden? So, so um, under the, the tunnels that run underneath the Heichal in Harbayas, where the, uh, where the basic, you know, uh, um, Kodesh was built. Tana Rabbanan, a rabbi's taught. Sota, back to Sota. She gave, put her eyes, she desired something that was not, she was, was not fit for her, um, somebody who wasn't her husband. Um, what she wanted, she doesn't get. And what she had, her marriage, her relationship with her husband, that was taken away. So here's like a different message. Not just you'll, you'll get punished and divine justice and so on. But the message is like, be happy with what you have. Like, you know, you always desire more and ultimately it's going to just lead to, you know, to, uh, to, to, to you losing the, the, you know, the, 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 all of the good things that you have with you right now. Um, anybody who gives his eyes and lusts after something that, that is not theirs and, you know, is not a fitting thing to be desiring. So, he doesn't get what, it, what he's desiring. And what he does have, he winds up losing. Okay, that doesn't always work either, but okay. But often, actually, there's probably more real-life experience of this than there is of the Mida Kineged Mida, you know? <laughs> that people like, you know, if you would just have been happy with what you had, then people like, you know, especially now, whatever. You know, I mean, uh, a major part of the whole advertising industry is to make us desire things that we never knew we desired before we started watching the ads or whatever, you know, to whet that desire. And then does it make us any happier? Anyway, fine. And then we found by the original serpent, he gave his eyes, again, dealing with sexual desire, the, uh, just, you know, uh, a classic read of Chazal that he desired, you know, to have sex with Chava. Um, he desired something that was not fit for him, I mean, uh, not only was she married, she was a human. <laughs> Thank you for that illuminating detail. Sure, what he desired wasn't given to him. And what he had was taken from him, because apparently if he was cursed that he was going to go on his, on, his, on his stomach, presumably beforehand, he was walking upright. God said, I wanted him to be the king. He was a Now he's at the bottom of the animal kingdom. He would go upright. He goes on his uh, on his stomach. He would eat from the from the you know human food. Now he eats dust. Um, he said, I want to ki- get Adam killed. I'll have, through Chav, I'll get Adam to sin, and then I'll be able to marry Chava. Instead of having you have a sexual relationship with Chava, now there'll be hatred between you and the woman. Okay, you can go ahead and unpack that whole list. Okay, but a lot of things people here clearly are people that, you know, lusted and desired for things they weren't happy with what they had. Interesting for Kai and Rashi says it means Hevel's twin sister. Uh, you know, like 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 there's something that like Achai and Hevel were born with twin sisters. So he desired, you know, he desired the, the sister that wasn't his. I guess the, not Hevel's twin sister. That presumably was the one he married. But okay, maybe his own sister. Anyway, Rashi makes it sexual, which is interesting because he could just say, you know, the Medrash sort of says what were Kai and Hevel fighting about? A fascinating Medrash. It says one said, you know, in my chelik will be the base of existence. The other said, in my chelik will be the base of existence. The other says, I have the whole world. The other says, I have the whole world. It's very great medrash because it talks about like what is it that get people to you know what to be so passionate like religion you know uh, wealth uh, I forget what the third one was anyway whatever kind was fighting about he wanted the other half of the world that he couldn't have because of heaven anyway but you have everybody else here like Korach
Nachach, obviously, he wanted the Kahuna, Bilam, presumably he wanted wealth. He goes through the whole list. Anyway, Absalom wanted the Malchus, etc., etc. They desired something that not only they didn't have, you know, like, it's interesting, there's not saying you're not allowed to have, to desire something more, right? I mean, what are you going to do? Deny the basic, you know, human sense of wanting something and desiring something? But there's sense of ra'oi. What does that mean that's appropriate for you to want and desire? Either appropriate because it's like, it's a reasonable thing to desire, it's not a crazy, like, lust and out of proportion, and B, you know, it's also something that is like a, um, um, that, that is permissible to you as opposed to a lot of these things are things that are forbidden to you you know but, but, uh, but anyway but it's not saying you're not like allowed to have any desire let's just read the last line so when you really have these desires that are out of proportion that are inappropriate for various reasons um, then ultimately it'll just lead to uh, you know lead to disappointment yes Right, that's a good point. It's not just the desire; it's that the acting on the desire. That's true. It's not. You're right. You're right. Just having, like, fantasizing and dreaming. It's like to, It's right. It's pursuing that desire. Of course, it's also very funny because you know sometimes you have these very inspiring stories, right, about somebody that has this crazy dream. Like I was just listening. I listened to the Moss this broadcast, and somebody said, you know, when he was growing up, he dreamed that he was going to play together like uh, jazz with I forget who it was like some crazy crazy dream and then he tells a story that eventually it actually came true you know because then you set your eyes on that and you you know and you, 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 you do things in your life that actually make it more and more possible that close that gap right so you know so, but the point I think would be well that would be Ra'oi Lahem you know there's a question of how do you define what's Ra'oi and not Ra'oi so but it is sometimes funny sometimes the whole point is that we should you know have a, a dream that we pursue yeah passion is the Midrashic idea that kind of have each had a twin sister and that each pair of siblings would then procreate and populate yeah yeah but he wanted the other right exactly <laughs> yeah that's what Rashi quotes yeah before the fall pride Rashi says Rashi says that there was two right I just double checked Rashi Rashi says that there were well, he says that there were two, tw- there were two twin sisters. Right. He mar- uh, Hevel had two twin sisters. He married one. He wanted the other one. Of course, I don't get it because who was the other twin sister supposed to marry? If Kai married one, Hevel married the other, and each one had two twin sisters, what was, those, what was going to happen to those other two girls? I don't know. Anyway, yes, <laughs> young women. I was thinking of the phrase before the fall, pride. Yeah, pride, right. Pride cometh before the fall, right. Yeah, I mean, all these, it's like... Right, there's also that sense of... Right, the Eino... coming to us. That's a good point. what Hashem's plan. Right, that's a good point. Part of the Eino Roy is like that just sense of like, I want it, I deserve it. Like, you know, and I'm entitled. Right, right, right. Pride cometh before the fall. Uh, it might be from the other, the, 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 the other religion. Okay, the other book. Okay. Oh, 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 no, no. Oso Hasefer. Oso Hasefer. Okay. <laughs> it might be. You can look it up. Somebody will check their iPhone. Minani Mili. Okay. She began with the sigh. Minani Mili. So how do you know not describing what she did how do you know that the impact of the water first begins with the sigh and then goes to the uh, to the to the to the belly that's the curse God will give your sigh to fall and your belly to bloat 
But the other verse says, When the water goes in, it says the opposite order. Her belly will bloat and her thigh will fall. So, so which is it? No. When it's cursed, first the coin curses the thigh and then the, and then the belly because of the order of the sin, like we were saying. But the water, when they do their work, so, um, they, uh, they do it by the way it goes through the body. First the belly and then thigh. First of all, it's, first of all, it's interesting to also note the word budki. They're being bodek. They are testing her innocence or her guilt. So again, you know, side by side of completely assuming her guilt, you know, where it's, this is like a reverse. We're treating this water in its act of meeting out the punishment, framing it as a clarifying her guilt. Right. You know, it's a ritual, so, rational, and judicial. <laughs> right. Um, so bet then, okay, ki orchayu budki, bet Okay, so the says, one minute, b'chlol anamiksiv, but it also says even in the curse it says that order of, that you just described. First to, first, first to belly and then the thigh. To bloat the belly and to cause the thigh to fall. So the says no. No, no. The Kohen is telling her, if you look at the Pesukim, he says, the waters will come in, enter into you to blow up the belly and to make the thigh fall. So the Kohen is going to describe what the waters are going to do in the order that the waters will do it. So people won't say, hey, you said it was going to be the reverse order and it was this order. So he's describing the order, but when he curses her, he curses her first about the thigh. So Rashi says, okay, but the Mida Kineged Mida, you know, it seems to be first the, 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 the Betan and then the Yerech, not the order of the sin. So I should know, the curse itself is part of the Mida Kineged Mida. The fact that the thigh was cursed even before the waters had the effect, that was the first punishment of the thigh, that was the Mida Kineged Mida. What? It is Mishle? Ah, uh, yay, okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, so, uh, there we go. So, <laughs> David nailed it. Okay, so, Shimshon, now, we can do Mida Kineged Mida, our Mishnah, like you have a, I mean, look, you know, you know how sometimes in Nadarim and Nazir, you have like two lines on a daf or something? This is payback. This is our Mishnah. <laughs> anyway, but you know, it's fascinating that the Mishnah itself is like a long, elaborate Agadita. Okay, so this Mishnah continues to Midah, Kineged Midah. Let's take a look. Okay, Shimshon Halachachar Einav. Shimshon followed his eyes, also following that theme about going after the things that you lust and it is inappropriate, but it's within the Mida Kineged Mida context. The Philistines poked out his eyes. They seized him and they, and they pierced his eyes. Avshalom was haughty with his hair. Therefore, when he was uh, running away, the tree caught him in his hair and he was uh, you know, captured and killed. Because he, uh, he had sex with his uh, ten of his father's concubines. Therefore, he was pierced with like ten spears. How do they translate that? I think it's a spear. Dart? No, the darts we're going to get to. Shenemar, what? Lances. Lances. Ten of the men of of Loa of, of Yoav's uh, carrying of his art of his uh, like of his weapons, you know, came and smote Absalom. But the side gears is probably better. He stole three hearts. He, you know, he deceived everyone. Here's what you're talking about, though. Therefore, these three darts were pierced into him. Yoav took these three darts in his hand, in the heart. The point being, not just three, but in the heart of Avshalom. 
Okay? But if this is, if you get paid back for the bad, you get paid back for the good too. Miriam, Hintina, Moshe, Shah, Miriam, you know, hovered there for Moshe a brief period of time. You know, the sister hovered there. Therefore, with the, the entire nation waited for seven days before she healed. Yosef Zachar likvort Aviv. So Yosef narrated to brother to bury his father. Right, he brought him up from Mitzrayim back to Canaan. And he was the greatest of his brothers. So Yosef was the there was nobody greater to take care of the father. He was the greatest person of the time, the greatest brother, whatever, and he took care of his father. So therefore. So we are going to be so fantastic. I'm I'm no 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 I misread it. Milan go to Yosef. So we need to ask Bo Ella Moshe. So um, so who is greater than Yosef? That only that only Moshe. You know the greatest person. So Moshe was none greater. Okay, that 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 Moshe was the one, the greatest person of of his time, took care of Yosef. Moshe Zachavat Mot Yosef. Now. Moshe merited to bury the bones of Yosef. The Amy Israel Gadomi Menu, and there was no one greater in Israel than Moshe. Shenemar, we got Moshe as Moshe as Yosef Mo. Me Gadomi Moshe, who was greater than Moshe? That the only one to take care of Moshe's bones was God. Shenemar, you keep on going up, eventually you're going to get God. It's all like the Chad Gadia, right? So Shenemar, like, we're a Toba guy. So, Loa Moshe Buvadamru, Ella Kolatadim, and don't think that only Moshe gets buried by God, all righteous people get buried by God. The honor of God will gather you in at the time of death. Now, it does seem a little bit here that when it gets to the Mita Kenegan Mita of the Tova, that we're actually saying that it gets up the notch, right? Certainly by the case of uh, Miriam, one hour, seven days. Now, by the question is, does it also mean to say the same here? Is it like, well, Yosef gets buried by Moshe, is that going up a level or is that parallel? You know, you know, Yosef, the greatest person in, in Yosef's time, Barry, you know, the, great, the greatest person when Yaakov died, Barry Yaakov, the greatest person when Yosef died, you know, took care of Yosef. So, anyway, but there does seem a little bit, so that might not be seeing the sense of upping it a level, but the Miriam seems to up it a level, and that's obviously an idea that the Gemara has very often, which is Midat Tovaz Merubami Midat Puraniyot. That, you know, the payback for good is, is, is at a higher, you know, um, inc- a, a degree than the payback for bad. Okay, so let's take a look now at the Gemara. Tanu Rabbanan. Shimshon be'inav marad. Shimshon rebelled with his eyes. So again, going back to that theme of desire. Okay? So his first really sinning was with his eyes. Take this woman from me. He is right. He is something I desire, what I want with my, in my eyes. And therefore they pierce his eyes. Okay. Um, is this really true? By the way, now we are seeing the man as the one who is sexual sin and desiring and taking a woman. Okay. Amy is, of course, his sin was desiring non-Jewish women, right? You know, my, you know, nothing not You know, so um, so again, the question about is it about what's the male man's sin here? Is it about adultery and wife? It's not about betraying a wife. It's about the foreign women that he's desiring. Okay. Anyway, that true Well, it was all by God. Right? This was all directed by God as a way of paying back the Plishim. So what are we doing saying that he was punished? Ultimately, this was all God's hand. So the Gemara says, no. 
where were we? Um, he wasn't doing it to serve God's plan. He was following his own lusts. You know, the fact that God ultimately was operating at the same time, that doesn't get you off the hook. Obviously, he raised that whole question of Bechir Chavshis and, you know, Hashkach Pratis. How does God operate in this world and at the same time we make a choice? This is a question that all everybody asks, all of the Mephoshim ask, by the Mitzrim. Why was the Mitzrim punished? God says, So why were the Mitzrim punished? They were just doing what God had, had, had decreed. So there are different answers. One answer is, okay, God decreed it, but that wasn't why they were doing it. They were still making their own free choice. You know, another answer is, they a little bit were a little over-enthusiastic. God didn't say that they, that would be... That, 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 what? They didn't have to enjoy it so much. They didn't have to write you know, the degree to which they did it. But even before saying that, it's like, just because God somehow is somehow working in parallel and it's part of God's plan doesn't get you and your Bechir Chav just off the hook. It's interesting that Chimshan is linked to Yosef here because you could say the question why you and that he does use it to get the brothers off the hook. Yeah. Right, that's a very good point. Yeah. Right, or at least, to, at least to like, you know, alleviate their anxieties. That's an excellent point. Um, at least doesn't, do, doesn't just take her and rape her like with Dino or with David. Right. 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 He has his parents to do. Right. Right. Uh, right. I, it's not rape. I think the sin here more is just on general undifferentiated lust, and it's foreign women and all of that. It's a little bit of like withholding from his. Right, 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 right. That's a good point. Yeah. Okay, so it says, um, okay. Um, Tanya, we're talking to Brysa. Rebbe Omer. Chilaso kilkulo ba'aza. His first sin was in Aza, Gaza. Fikach lakab ba'aza. Okay. Chilaso kilkulo. Therefore, that's when he was, you know, when he was uh, smitten, it was there. Chilaso kilkulo ba'aza. D'chsiv. Vayelach shimshon azasa. Vayasham ishazona. He saw a prostitute and he took her. Fikach lakab ba'aza. D'chsiv. Vayoridu asa azasa. When they had him in chains, they brought him down to Aza. Someone says, one minute. What do you mean his first sin was in Aza? D'chsiv. Vayelach shimshon kinasa. He went to Timna, and there he took a woman, and that was before the, Az- the, the, the prostitute in Aza. So the says, Yes, he took a woman in Aza, but Rashi says, and she might have been a foreign woman, but at least he married her. But the real first sin was in Aza, where he started sleeping with prostitutes, which is interesting, right? Like bringing a non-halachic morality into it, right? Like, okay, sleeping with non-Jewish women, sleeping with prostitutes. No, sleeping with prostitutes is still worse. You know, than sleeping with non-Jewish women. Yeah, Timna is a right. That's a good point. That sexual encounter, Timna. Okay. Right, 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 right. Okay. Um, Haya. Afterwards, he loved a woman in Nachal Sarek. Vishma Delilah. Delilah. Tanya, Rebbe Omer, Yomali Nikra Shema Delilah, even her name had not been Delilah. What an appropriate name this was, Delilah. It should have been Delilah, and even if it had not been. Gildalas Kocho, she like, she like, uh, sucked out, uh, Rashi says Dilva means uprooted, but I think it also means like to diminish. Um, she diminished his strength. Gildalas Libo diminished or whatever, or, you know, uprooted his heart. Gildalas Ma'asav diminished his deeds. Gildalas Es Kocho, that's all things she, she was middle so now we're going to explain it. That his strength was sapped from him. She confided in her, and she and she betrayed him. So she stole his heart. That she caused the divine. What does it mean? His deeds, like his, you know, his, his that 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 what he had merited, that the, he had divine presence, that departed from him. God had departed. He was not aware of it. Okay, now we're going to discuss this a little bit more. 
Delilah saw that he had he had opened his heart to her, told told her the truth. So Minayada, how did she how did she know? If you know the story, he had been giving her lies before that. Where's your strength from? So he tells her one thing and she believes him and it was a lie, and another thing and a lie. And now he finally tells her, No, 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 it's my hair or whatever. She kn- now she saw he told them the truth. How'd she know? Maybe it was another lie. So Amar Bikhani Amarav, Nikarin Divre Emet. Such a powerful three words of Gemara. You, you, can, you, you can tell when it's the truth. Now, sometimes the problem is that some people are so good at lying that we think we can tell. Oh, yeah, I know it really held together that story. I could tell it was sincere. It made sense or whatever. Now, Rashi says part of the Nikarin Divrayamet is that it fits the fact pattern, right? She saw the hair. She saw he wasn't drinking wine. There was like things that reinforced that. But, you know, on the other hand, you know, as another Rashi says elsewhere on the Torah or whatever, a good way to get a lie believed is you sprinkle in little elements of truth in it, you know? But anyway, but okay, but sometimes, you know, things really hold together and there are people that can always trick the lie machine, but sometimes, you know, there's a lie detector. But Nikarin Divrei Amet. No, she had another way of knowing. She knew that Shimshon, notice he went from being like following his lusts or whatever, now he's a tzaddik. She knew this tzaddik would never say God's name in vain. To Kivan the Amar, since he said, Nazir Elohimani, even though he didn't use God's name in an oath, but he was saying this with using God's name, Amra Hashtavarai Kushakama. Oh, now must be telling the truth. Let's read one more line. And when she sort of, uh, you know, pressured her with her wor- him with her words, and she, pre- she pressured him, whatever she, so he finally gave in and told her the truth. My how did she pressure him? So Amar, so Amar Rabbi Yitzchak to So getting us back to uh, to sex. Uh, so at the time when he was about to achieve orgasm, right, she, she withdrew. So she withheld sex at a critical moment until he would finally uh, reveal the truth. Okay. Let's not end on that. So this is what the Malach tells Shimshon's mother, right? Watch yourself. Don't drink wine and don't eat anything that is impure. So meaning presumably non-kosher. My kol tamei. What does it mean? Don't, what's impure? What, what is it? What are we talking about? The two. Until now is she like eating chazer? Like what's the point? So I'm going to be Yitzhak to be Rabbi Yami. No. No, we don't mean we don't mean other divine tamayim. Divine tamayim from a nazir perspective, not only wine directly, but grapes and and you know and the pits and the seeds and everything we learned in Maseches Nazir. Okay, so I guess we will end here. We will pick up with the Shimshon story tomorrow.